You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Growing in consciousness. In this episode, Eckhart talks about expanding our consciousness. He says that we outgrow the limited perception we have of ourselves, a person with a personality and a product of our past. We need to get in touch with what Eckhart calls the deep eye or the transcendent self. He says we're more than our personalities and more than our bodies. Eckhart shares what we perceive with our senses is only a tiny fraction of what's actually here. He believes what is essential in us is invisible to the eye and not something we perceive with our senses. Welcome everybody to this moment. It's always the present moment. New challenges are waiting to be overcome or transcended so that we grow in consciousness. Growing in consciousness is a way, one way of putting it. It's a way of perceiving what's going on from our perspective of time, the temporal perspective where most of the time we live. But when we say growing in consciousness or becoming more conscious, it seems to imply process of time that gradually you become more conscious. And from the point of view of where we are in this dimension, that certainly seems to be the case. But another way of looking at it is that a deeper dimension of consciousness is manifesting itself, is emanating through you more and more fully. But that dimension is timeless. The present moment is timeless. It's always now. So it, it there's a little paradox here. It seems to take time for us to fully inhabit or to fully connect with the transcendent dimension within ourselves, which is the timeless. So we just have to live with this paradox. The moment we talk about spiritual things, paradox almost inevitably arises. This is why at the beginning of the famous Chinese Tao Te Ching, one of the great greatest spiritual books, the first sentence is, the Tao that you can speak of is not the true Tao. We can't really talk of that transcendent mystery. 
the moment we talk about it, it gets distorted and becomes paradoxical. And yet we do. <laughs> but we need to know that what all words can do is point to something that is beyond words. So the answer is not in the words. The words are not the truth. They can point to it, but they are not it. So when words are used, the tendency of the mind is to believe in certain words that are uttered, but that's not how it works, because if you believe just in the words, then it's mistaking the signpost for that to which the signpost points. Or another way of putting it, mistaking the map for the actual territory. <laughs> So we need to be uh, tolerant with words and use them as pointers, no more than that. Some pointers work better for certain people and other pointers work for other people. This is why I often use different kinds of pointers. You can choose one, the one that you respond to, the one that takes you beyond the pointer is the one that works for you. What emerges, as you may have heard me say it before, there are two of you here, so to speak, again, it's just words, it's not the absolute truth, it's a pointer. There are two of you here, there's the you as a person and you as the transcendent consciousness, the unconditioned consciousness. You are both, let's say, the person is the ripple on the surface of the ocean and the transcendent consciousness is the ocean. You are the ripple, undoubtedly. You have a form. Some ripples are bigger than others, but none of the ripples last for very long. And yes, you as a person, you have a form identity, physical and psychological form, personality, body, and yet, you are here to enable the deeper dimension of consciousness, deeper or higher, you have a choice of pointers, deeper dimension, higher dimension, whatever works best for you, it's just words. We're here for this deeper dimension, what I call the deep eye, to emerge into this dimension, because the deep eye is not, does not originate in this dimension. And you are essentially the deep I, which is consciousness. And you are temporarily a person and a personality. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. 
with seven drive modes. Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The greatest limitation for a human being is to be exclusively trapped throughout a lifetime, to be exclusively trapped in a personality with all its conditionings, with all its reactive patterns that conditioned by the past. You're a product as a personality, you are a product of your past, both your personal past, your environmental past, the cultural past, whatever culture you were born into, it goes back hundreds of years, thousands of years. You are a product as a person, you are a product of that. If you had been born 500 years ago, you would be a different person. You would have different beliefs, very different. Just a different form of conditioning. And that's fine. That's how it is in this dimension. We are all here as persons and personalities, conditioned entities with all kinds of uh, quirks and idiosyncrasies and characteristics, some good, some troublesome, many in fact. If you only know yourself as a person or personality, then you are in trouble. (laughs) Trouble is an essential part of being limited to to being a person without any glimpse of anything transcendent within yourself. And then you are trapped in that. And when you watch movies almost all the time, that's all you ever see. People who are trapped in their limited little selves and react to things from there and create a lot of trouble for themselves and others. Another word for trouble could be suffering. When you only know yourself as a personality, then this is what the Buddha described as then you, everything you, every situation you encounter is, and sooner or later ends up in dukkha, meaning suffering can also be translated as unsatisfactoriness, misery, or simple, plain unhappiness. <laughs> Even if you have some glimpses of the transcendent dimension, that already is a great help. Let's see, this is where salvation lies, to use a Christian term. Liberation would be another term you could use, which is Hindu or Buddhist. Awakening, another term. They all mean the same thing. They are pointers pointing to the same thing. And just to have glimpses of the deeper eye, the deep eye in you, rather than the surface eye, The surface eye is the person, the deep eye is the consciousness in the same way that the the ripple of the wave is the person, the ocean is the consciousness. And you are essentially the ocean and temporarily the person. 
So how do you know yourself as the, the, the deep I? The moment of cessation of the stream of thinking, not the cessation of the stream of thinking that happens when you fall asleep, but the cessation of the stream of thinking when you remain very alert, in fact, become more alert. Perhaps just a few seconds, you look at a cloud that just appeared in the sky. And for two or three seconds, it's so striking that it stops your mind for two or three seconds while you look at the cloud. And there's an inner response. Ah, oh, something within response. It doesn't have to be a cloud, it could be a tree, an animal, a flower. And you look and, oh. Then the mind comes back with interpretations. But while you looked and there was an inner response and it, it felt, you felt somehow, one could also say connected with it for a moment. Something responded. And later then the, when the mind comes in, it will interpret it in some way. This is what the mind does, the thinking mind. And it will call it something. It might say, beautiful, that's a beautiful cloud. Or it might say, how pretty. Not the most profound statement the mind could make, but let it, let it be, how pretty. <laughs> or it might say, if you're knowledgeable about the history of art, the mind might compare it to some painting it has seen. Oh, look at that Turner sky. Oh, Turner, British landscape and sky painter. Yes, yes, yes. And so you interpret, that's fine. But what you forget is the significance of the first moment of perception and the still space that was there for two or three seconds in the first moment of perception, that's overlooked. If you can become conscious of, in the first moment of perceiving something, natural things work very well for that. The first moment of perception doesn't have to be visual, it can also be auditory. You listen, there's a bird song, you listen somewhere, there's bird song, and your attention goes there. And for a few seconds, there's a pure listening, and then the mind says something about it. But the significant thing is the first moment when there is the pure listening, because it's not just the listening, because without the consciousness behind the listening, there would be no listening. The auditory organ of perception would mean nothing without a consciousness behind it. <laughs> so the listening becomes possible because there is a listener there is a listening consciousness that makes the perception possible. And that consciousness is still in the first few moments of perception quite often. With some humans, their, their mind is so active that this, that first moment is, is so short, it's impossible to even catch it because they immediately comment on everything they perceive. If you find that in your life gradually, when you look at something, you perceive something, you listen to something, there's not an immediate jump into interpretation or labeling. That is a wonderful sign. It is a sign that you are deepening. It is a sign that the deep eye is beginning to emerge more. There is a depth to who you are when you are not immediately 
always immediately judging, interpreting, and labeling everything. That is a sign of progress in your life. That is the arising of, one could call it, inner space. Inner space arises. A certain spaciousness arises where before there was only clutter, the clutter of your mind. And the identification with the clutter of your mind, which created the person. <laughs> so that was that was there before. Now the the deepening happens when you realize there's a bit more spaciousness coming into your life. And one of the things, as I just pointed out, is through perceiving something and not compulsively needing to immediately classify, label, judge it or to have some kind of position, personal position towards it. I like it, I don't like it, whatever. <laughs> so you let it be, for a moment you let it be. You become aware of a depth dimension within yourself, the deep eye, and the deep eye is consciousness. And then you might, may find that it you notice it more often when it happens because before people sometimes have the experience of depth, but they don't realize it. They attribute it to something else. They have the experience of depth when they look at something wonderful, beautiful, for example, and it's so overwhelmingly beautiful, like a, a sunset or some bird song can be just wonderful or something miraculous that you look at a hummingbird hovering and you look at it you're just oh and afterwards you, you, you when you talk about it, you know, it it felt good you talk about it <laughs> that that moment when I climbed or when I climbed that mountain last year two years ago and it took five hours to reach the top. And when I reached the top, there was suddenly this vast spacious of the sky with the, and the sun was beginning to set and it was the most beautiful moment of my life. And I always remember that I wish I could get that back. I have to go back to that mountain to, but you don't realize that the essence of that experience, you want to call it that, in, in that moment it was, it had a time span, so the, in that sense it was an experience. But the essence of that was that the the beauty of two things stopped stopped your mind. The ascent to the of the mountain required so much focus and attention that you didn't have much time to think about your personal problems. So already as you were beginning to climb the mountain, it gave you um, moments of fairly prolonged moments of self-transcendence because your attention had to be there. There's always a risk and danger involved when you climb a mountain. So your attention had to be fully in the present moment. So the self, the mind-made self, could not absorb most of your attention and, to th and think about whatever it thinks about. It, the attention had to be in the present moment because there was an element of danger. That was the first thing that started to free you uh, from yourself. Self-transcendence is a transcendence of the mind that, is, that creates the self. 
<laughs> so already, and then you reach the top of the mountain, it's just one example, and the, you saw this vast landscape and it, it stopped your mind. You, it was so overwhelming that it stopped your mind. And because it stopped your mind, you had this experience of depth, of self-transcendence. And that was so good. But you, many people, unless they perhaps have had some contact with spiritual teaching, they may not even realize that that is why th that was such a deep experience. The deep experience was there because the, the, the activity of climbing a mountain and then finally seeing the incredible beauty stopped your mind. <laughs> it stopped your mind and something else emerged that cannot be defined in any way. The deep eye, a conscious presence emerged that was through which this was being perceived. So it wasn't, people confuse the thing that, that stopped the mind with that which uh, enabled them to be momentarily in that awakened state that was the self-transcendent state. So glimpses of that are the beginning of the awakening. So the, the personality no longer has this overwhelming importance that consumes you completely with its problems and its shortcomings and it, it regrets and its anxieties and it all kinds of things that create the problem of your life, all the, all the things you'd have to think about, the uncertainties of the future, the regrets of the past, what people, doubts about who you really are, are you good enough or not really good enough, or you're so good that nobody is better than you or whatever narrative you have that provides the source of your identity, any whatever narrative the mind comes up with, it's never satisfying for very long. Even if you think you're the greatest that ever lived, you'll soon life will show you that you're not the greatest that ever lived. So the deep eye begins to emerge in many people's life when uh, the person is being challenged. So I just gave you some lovely scenarios where the deep eye could emerge. But, but more frequently than that, the deep eye emerges when life becomes very uncomfortable for the person, personality. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. So that uh, happens easily. 
So it happens on a small scale. It tends to happen very frequently. Things go wrong here and there, no matter how much positive thinking you do, which is a good thing. But things will go wrong here and there, not according to expectation. Things break down and then you lose something and then people act in weird ways. They shouldn't behave like that, but they do. People are troublesome. You are a burden to yourself. People become burdens. Your life situation is so problematic. Oh, there's just no end to it. And then comes the collective problems. If your personal problems weren't enough, suddenly some kind of pandemic arises, a collective problem that, oh my God, this is, you know, I, I, didn't I have enough with my personal problems and now comes this. I can't take any more of this. Anxiety arises, am I going to die? Am I going to die? Yes, we don't know when, but certainly yes, of course you're going to die. The person doesn't last very long. And then fear, the fear rises and it becomes very uncomfortable to continue to be there only as a person. And so that's a good thing. If life gets difficult for you, for the person, can't take anymore, that's another good point to reach. And then suddenly you discover the possibility of living in the present moment more than in past and future, which is the opening, the opening into the transcendent dimension is the present moment, if you only give attention to it. When past and future, especially future for many people, become so fearful or heavy, then the way out is to give more attention to the present moment now. And in order for this to happen, you need, your level of attention needs to rise. There's only this moment. Are you aware of this moment right now? Yes. That is the portal into transcendence. This also applied in the example I gave of climbing the mountain and standing on top of the mountains. You were present. The, the ascent forced you to be present because of the danger. And then you were present because the beauty was so overwhelming for a moment. So present moment can come into your life in various ways. It comes through suffering, you're forced into the present moment, but sometimes it can come through a moment of overwhelming beauty too. It comes a moment when you look into the eyes of a baby for a few seconds, you, you can sense the consciousness that is behind those eyes and, and you can, ah, oh, or the eyes of a dog. You can look in the eyes of a dog and you can sense the consciousness that is there. That is not, the, and the, the consciousness is not part of this dimension. <laughs> so the portal is always present moments. Life will have to force you into it for many people. And once you realize that that is where the shift in consciousness happens, then you can voluntarily quite often choose to be present, to have more attention in the present moment than in past and future. You still know enough about past and future. It's fine. Of course, you know, you know where you're going, but 
The step you're taking now is the most important step. Everything else is secondary, still may have some importance, but it's not of primary importance. So becoming present, that's the simplest thing, becoming present. What happens when you become present? You become present of sense perception, you become present that you're breathing, you know you're breathing, and you're not, you don't need to label anything mentally, you just notice things. You notice sense perceptions. You notice your breath. You notice the aliveness within your body, inner body awareness. You notice, in the present moment, you notice what is there. In external things, you notice them. And internal things, you notice them. Emotion may be there. You notice that there's some anxiety living in you. You notice there's the anxiety. You, you, you notice it. You become the space for it. You become the space for everything, for all perceptions. You notice it. And then you begin to realize who or what you essentially are. When you notice everything that is, you, you are the space for it. You become aware in addition to what you are noticing. And you're not, when you notice, by the way, you don't reject anything. When you notice this, you accept what is in this moment. You're not rejecting anything that's vital. Otherwise, you're not present. You just, you notice it. This is what is. You can't argue with it. Well, you can. If you want to be unhappy, you argue with what is. That strengthens the personality, the fiction of who you are. But essentially, this is what is. And it's only the present moment, not some complicated life situation that you want to get out of. That's fine. And this is not what is. What is is what you're experiencing at this moment. The, your experience of this moment inner, outer, this is what is. So you notice it and you allow it to be. And by, do, by noticing it and allowing it to be, you become aware of something else that is not in addition to what is already there, but something that is the prerequisite for everything that you notice. And that is, you become aware of yourself as the one that notices everything the field of presence that you are, not the person anymore, that's the deep eye now, you're now the deep eye. You're the field of presence that notices everything. So we become aware of, of two dimensions, that which you notice externally or internally, and that which makes all noticing possible, which is the consciousness that you are, which is one could say the canvas on which your entire life is painted. That, that changes quite often, but it's you become aware of the canvas. Everything else that is painted on the canvas is what you notice. That fundamentally changes everything. The way in which you experience your life becomes much easier and more pleasant because you experience it from the dimension of self-transcendence, of the unconditioned consciousness. The person still emerges from time to time. The person comes back and says what it has to This is what I think about the, the, this is the pandemic. It's all nonsense. It's all, it's all whatever the person says is fine. 
but gradually you're no longer completely taken over by that that entity what do you think you are the, the personality the person and that that gets worse as the older you get unless some transcendence comes into your life old age is another opportunity for transcendence when old age comes the body gets weaker you get life give, giving you another maybe the last opportunity in this lifetime <laughs> to become present if you haven't been able to have been living in egoic resistance for your entire life finally when you're 80 things begin to fail in your body another there's an opportunity for surrender and presence and then the flowering can still happen the personality recedes consciousness emerges so that's why why i said there's two of you here there is the transcendent being that you are and there is the person so the awakening is to awaken to that dimension of the transcendent being which happens every time the, there's a cessation of the stream of thinking no matter how short and the re, there's a realization of that which remains when the stream of thinking subsides and that which remains you cannot name you can only be it that's why another word for it is the being that you are the the personality is the human and the transcendent dimension who you are is the being most people on the planet are still just humans <laughs> they haven't realized yet that they are human beings because the being dimension is the awakening to who you essentially are and that's the destiny of humanity and of every human being is to realize the being part of being human <laughs> the human part alone is just very frustrating just you, you'll never find any satisfaction there that lasts for, for long so you how do you judge the how whether your life is successful or not well don't allow the world to tell you whether your life has been a success or not <laughs> because the world doesn't know of what really matters it doesn't know that so is your life a success or a failure <laughs> there's only this your consciousness now are you able to be here as a human being that is the that is the purpose of your life is that realization then your life you have succeeded <laughs> life has succeeded the human one could almost say is the is the seed for the being so when you have a seed that goes into the soil eventually the seed breaks open and something emerges out of the seed a plant and opens up in the same way the person gradually undergoes a process of erosion <laughs> it gets eroded by the suffering of life and at some point it a state of surrender is reached when the suffering begins to be transcended because it's not nothing is resisted anymore that is the process of realization so in a nutshell before we go on to the questions and can there any left 
we are here as humans and we are here to realize the being dimension so that we become human beings. We already are human beings, but if you don't know the being dimension, it's virtually as if you didn't, if, as if it weren't there. It's like a beggar, I think I wrote about that somewhere. It's like a beggar who has sitting on a box filled with gold, but he's begging because he doesn't know what's in the box. So do you call him rich or poor? Do you say he is very poor? Well, I'm using that analogy because the being dimension is not something th that the person achieves. <laughs> that would be ego. If you think I have to achieve the being dimension, no, you have to recede. You have to become somewhat, one could say, transparent to the being dimension. So the person weakens and the, so that the being can shine through more fully. So the person does not achieve realization <laughs> at all. So awakening, enlightenment, realization is never an achievement. Nobody achieves it. <laughs> you have to get the self out of the way. So there's nobody who could say, I have achieved enlightenment. No, you're nothing. <laughs> All you can do is realize something that's already there, that it is already the essence of who you are. Let's see if there are any questions left. Hello, I've heard. Here's my question. So if awareness is uh, engaged by rising above our thoughts and becoming more aware of sensory perceptions in the moment, like the sights, the sounds, feeling our feet on the floor, our breathing. So where does our awareness or beingness go when the body dies and there's no channel for awareness through our physical senses? So what, what will be aware, what will be aware of how we're consciousness perceive beingness when there's no sensory perceptions of the body any longer to be through? It's hard to put into words. Good question, very good question. Thank you. Yeah. Perhaps the first thing to realize fully is that what you see in this world, what the senses can perceive in this world is a surface phenomenon. It is a tiny fraction of what's actually there. It's a tiny fraction of what's actually there. So if we start with a simple thing, I mentioned just uh, earlier uh, a dog, or if you prefer cats, you substitute a cat. A dog is a bit, uh, is a more simple being than a human. So let's, just, I'll give this example of a dog. Um, here's a dog and the dog has a, a body fur and so on. Um, when you look into the eyes of a dog and you, the dog responds to you, you already connect with something that is invisible because you don't connect with the fur or what's underneath the fur is bones and blood and tissue on the physical level. That's all there is to the dog. There's the fur that covers it up, it's the same, the human's the same. There's the skin, uh, and beyond the skin, there's bones, blood, 
like the body is like whatever, 70% water. There's bones, blood, tissue, that's all there is. So on the physical level, when you look into the eyes of the dog, the dog is not actually there as the physical being. This is not what you what you notice when you look into the eyes of the dog and something within you responds to the being of the dog. This being of the dog is invisible. The same as your being is invisible. You cannot find the dog by cutting open the dog and looking at the organs of the dog. You, the dog is not there. As I said in the, the little book, the, the Little Prince, it's a, I think it was written a long time ago, one of the quotes from that book is, uh, what is essential is invisible to the eye. The, this, this eye, which means any sensory perception, anything that you can receive with your sense. What is essential is invisible to the eye, which means it, is it cannot be perceived with the senses. So the, that which you respond to and what responds to you is already not part of this dimension. The dog as the consciousness of the dog, you cannot find the dog in this material dimension. So the, what you love in the dog, although it may be pleasant to touch the dog, the, the soft fur and so on, but what you respond to and love is invisible. Essentially, you love the consciousness of the dog, not the not the material, the, the physical appearance is very much secondary. So whatever we perceive here is a surface phenomenon and that applies to you also, of course. Now, who you are as a, first you're, you're a physical body. The physical body has a certain lifespan, fairly short. Um, and then you have thoughts and emotions that make up, that, that is the person, but already that dimension is beyond the physical. Nobody knows ultimately, no scientist has yet figured out what a thought actually is. There are certain correlations with thinking and structures in the brain, but nobody knows what a thought is, where it lives, you cannot find a thought, you have millions of memories and thoughts, but no scientist could ever find any of them by dissecting your brain or emotions. Although there's the, the physical body can respond when there's an emotion or even a sensory perception. If you imagine biting into a lemon, you will, the body responds and saliva will accumulate in your mouth because the body thinks what the mind creates is, is already reality. There's another story to talk about there. The, the, the body cannot differentiate between what your mind is creating or whether there's actual reality or your mind is just creating it. A lot of anxiety, right, is there. But, but let's put that aside. It's, it's not our focus here and now. So the all your memories, where do they actually live? Now, traditionally we think they are somehow accumulated in the neurons, the atoms, molecules of your body, but how and why we do not know, nobody knows. Where's the memory? I could now, I could say to you, do you remember your grandmother? And suddenly, immediately the memory comes back to you. Do you remember 
the house where you lived when you were eight years old or that do you remember and immediately you can go back and say yes do you remember even but what did the door feel like when you opened it do you remember it and then what was and then there was a cupboard do you remember opening that cupboard yeah where did this memory live all that time where was it are there certain molecules in your brain that represent the memory of your grandmother or the 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 memory of touching something when you were eight years old are they we don't know but we this because these things already even on the level of the personality they do not exist in the material realm they already exist thoughts and emotions already exist in a trans, in a dimension that transcends physical reality so thoughts and emotions are already part of the non-physical in other words a dimension beyond the physical so when you go into yourself in the into thoughts and emotions there is you are still there in a as a non-physical representation of you when the body dissolves this accumulation of thought and emotion that you call you does not immediately disappear when the body dissolves this accumulation that you call you is still there but it's no longer has no as there is a physical presence there's still a form identity there but it's now this form identity is no longer physical form it's thought form and emotional form so there's a thought body and an emotional body that still persists with all its accumulated all its accumulated conditioning all the desires that it's that are still there because they these do not live in the physical realm they all the desires and the a lot of the conditioning is still there and even there are many many accounts of people whose brain activity stopped and the heart stopped the it's called near-death experiences uh, and the many many um, credible reports of people who were able to observe their own body in in hospital or wherever it may be but what eyes did they have what the queer question uh, so the there is an equivalent of the physical body in a more ethereal realm not part of this dimension where these organs are still there so these organs are only a surface appearance in the physical dimension of a deeper thing because you also have a non-physical body and this non-physical body uh, that when you go deeper into it that, then you begin to reach what Carl Jung called the the collective unconscious of humanity which is also you are part of that also so when you go beyond the personal thought and emotional body you begin, begin to go into the humanities collective conscious body you're also part of that and when you go even deeper then you're beginning to go gradually you begin to go towards the unconditioned consciousness which is the pure light of consciousness the purpose of life is still the awakening it's still, that's no matter where you are so one more thing about to do with your question is of course questioning the 
consciousness, the, the great, the greatest mystery of life, is the question that scientists ask: Is consciousness produced by the physical brain? <laughs> and mainstream science mostly still says yes, it is. But if you ask mainstream science, well, what is consciousness? They don't know. <laughs> they say it's it must be produced by the physical brain because there is only matter. There is nothing. They say there is nothing beyond matter. Materialism. That's what it, true materialism is. True materialism doesn't mean to want to accumulate as, as many material goods as possible. True materialism is to believe that there's nothing beyond that which we can detect with our senses. That's all there is. And there are even scientists who say, well, consciousness is some kind of delusion <laughs> because they don't know what it is. So the, the, the great mystery is consciousness is mainstream science says consciousness is a byproduct of uh, what happens in the in the brain the physical brain but that is a misperception and at some point perhaps we will realize science will realize that that is not the case that consciousness is prior to all that consciousness pervades the entire universe and consciousness is something that the physical brain can channel so that, that consciousness assumes a particular form when it is channeled through the physical brain, then this world arises, what we perceive as a world. And uh, there are many worlds. This is not the only world. There's entire astral dimension and so on. These are very interesting things I could talk about but it would be not, not it's fascinating, but not helpful for, for awakening. <laughs> so I hope that answers at least to some extent your question. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.